This is our last episode. I wish I could say I cleaned up my potty mouth for it, but that would just not be true. Last time on The Wedge, I admitted to my therapist, Julie, that my mom wasn't the only one worried about the vaccine. I was scared of getting the shot while pregnant. Julie helped me find the courage to make the decision for myself and to tell my mom about it. I have lost, don't, like, I'm not just like, okay, yay, this is great, you know, like, but like, I'm gonna get the vaccine. So you're, you've already decided. Yeah. I get my first shot in early May 2021. Lots of people are getting them. COVID case numbers are dropping, and for the first time in months, I'm starting to feel hopeful. Enrique and I decide it's safe enough to fly to Hawaii to see my mom. Uh, flight time today to Molokai should be about 25, 30 minutes. Kind of windy out of here from Maui, so expect a few bumps there. I'm so glad we didn't try this when I had morning sickness. It's been 14 hours of flying to Maui and now 20 minutes on a puddle jumper to my mom's island. That was a lot. All right, everybody, welcome old guy. Uh, once we get the door open, we'll get everybody off the airplane, go around the tail into the terminal. Any questions? Our bags. Where do we get our bags? Your bags are going to meet you at the gate. airport is so small, I spot my mom's car from the air before we land. And from the tarmac, I can see her. That's her. Yeah, I saw her. <laughs> her pilot. She's wearing a cloth mask and holding Hawaiian lays she made for us. First, we have to go through COVID status checks, and then finally, we are free. Enrique points toward the outdoor waiting area, past someone power washing the concrete. I'm going. I'm putting my backpack on. Stop. Enrique pushes me forward and then stands back as she and I hold each other for the first time in nearly two years. Welcome to The Wedge, a podcast from Spaceship Media presented by Colorado Public Radio. I'm Erica Anderson. This is me and my mom having one of those conversations so many of us would rather avoid. Episode six, an end and a beginning. I'm so happy to hug her, be in her arms. We take our masks off. We both cry. I forget our fights about COVID. I'm just grateful to see her and touch her after so many months of not seeing or touching her or almost anyone else. We practically float across the parking lot to her car. Babe, I can sit in the back. My mom brought ice water and food, of course, including a homemade blackberry raspberry pie, the exact pie I would request as a kid. Oh man, I'm gonna devour this pie, I'll yeah, tell you what. Yeah, you will. I feel like I can finally rest. My mom feels oh, like home. My goodness. Oh. oh, that was a journey. I know, you guys have been up since 10 o'clock my time last night. Yeah. But as we turn on the radio and head off in her Honda Element, COVID comes into the conversation. We just can't escape it. 
plane, there was the longest line. There was literally like three planes worth of people. They're doing second testing. Did they do a second test yes, on you? on oh, me. But Enrique God. didn't have to because, I mean, that was, that was the question. I realized I was about to say because he's fully vaccinated. But I don't want to talk about the vaccine or anything COVID right now and interrupt this reunion. I want to let the rest of the world feel as far away as possible. So I grab a fork that my mom brought and devour the pie. What are you eating over there? Pie. Um, I'm gonna have a bite. Yeah. And then I will. So we can go to that house, but there's I don't have the food with me. This is all I have for food. Jeff has all the food. It's so lovely to be here, away from New York in tropical paradise. Enrique and I started dating just before COVID. So this is the first time he's met my mom. It's wonderful to just relax and be together. We swim in the ocean at empty beaches. I'm wearing a bikini and I catch her staring at my pregnant belly with tears in her eyes. We both laugh at how emotional we are. We hit church thrift stores for 50 cent onesies and comb the racks for vintage moo-moos. Enrique wants to find one for his 92-year-old Dominican grandma. Are you going to another store? There's one more. Which one is that one? The thrift store where we got the moo-moos before to get one for your grandma. My mom and Enrique get comfortable enough to start teasing each other. I love it. You're not boring, Enrique. I'm not what? Boring. boring. Some guys are very boring. I'm... You start to get bored because they're just boring. Yeah, I'm a handful. That's what I hear. At home, my mom and I get to sing together while my stepdad, Jeff, plays the guitar. The water is wide, I cannot cross over, and neither have I, my wings to fly. Sorry, I know this differently. I know, I know you do. And neither have I, thy wings to fly. Let me follow you. I, I want to, you see here, I'll, yeah, you do it, and I'll do it the way you do it, because there's okay. different ways to do this song. Okay, start so. it again. Together, in person, I soak up her care. We don't argue. I remember how easy it is just to be with her. And after a few days of her cooking and her love, Enrique and I see how amazing it would be to have her with us in New York when the baby is born. Of course, there are details to work out, but I make it clear that I want to find a way for her to be at the birth. Our visit feels far too short, but it lifts my spirits to spend this time feeling so close to my mom. I feel lighter knowing that our disagreement hasn't changed this and that she will be there to help me when I give birth. Even when we get back to New York, life looks bright. But by mid-July, the Delta variant of COVID has started to change things. After months of progress in dramatically slowing the spread of COVID, tonight, signs of trouble. The highly contagious Delta variant is now spreading fast in New York City, accounting for nearly half of all new COVID cases. Most new COVID cases are among people who are unvaccinated. 
I have both shots by now, so I feel pretty safe. But we're planning a baby shower, something I'm becoming increasingly stressed out about. Like, A, I don't give a shit about baby showers. Okay, I'm gonna backpedal on that. I do give a shit about this baby shower. So you just answered your own question about the baby shower. But I do care about, like, seeing these people. You know, like, this was a chance to, like, see people we haven't seen and, like, meet people that, like, I don't know your friends and, like... Since Enrique and I started dating right before the pandemic, we still haven't met a lot of each other's friends and family. But with COVID cases back on the rise, we're wondering if now is the right time. Soon people who are going to travel for the shower start to cancel. Then I realize not everyone we invited to the baby shower is vaccinated. We had assumed all of his family had already gotten their shots. But we were wrong. Enrique and I argue about what to do. This usually comes up when we're driving. In traffic. Like, your family that isn't vaccinated. It's only three people. I know. So there's three people. Literally, as of right now, we only can confirm that there's three people that are not vaccinated. You know, and we're, like, hanging out with them yesterday. And it was, like, in my face, and I'm in his, and he gives me a big hug and kisses me on the cheek. And, like, I didn't know he wasn't vaccinated. I'm worried that someone will get exposed to COVID at our party. And then somebody gets sick because we had to have a stupid baby shower so we could get some onesies. <sighs> I think you can just go up here and take a left. I'm going to loop around it so I don't have to hit this traffic up there. Let's go around it. It's like, it's one thing if you don't want to get vaccinated, but then to like also not... You're going straight. Yeah. Also not be like, oh, hey, this thing is dangerous. I'm a danger to people. We decide to have the party outside in a park. Some friends string paper flowers from the trees while others set out lawn games for the kids. Enrique's mom makes her famous Dominican pork with rice and beans. The adults sip on mimosas and white claws and kids run with cupcakes and bubbles in their hands. It turns out to be one of the best days. Enrique gets drunk off two hard seltzers and I feast on gluten-free cake. I do keep my distance from unvaccinated family members. The party is lovely, but somewhere in the back of my head, I'm thinking, if my mom comes for the birth, I'm not gonna be able to keep my distance from her. I don't know what to do. After the glow of the party wears off, this is all Enrique and I can talk about. Here we are, back in traffic. I'm honestly like, you know, I love your mom. I'm not like mad at your mom. I just know that there will be restrictions for your mom. I just don't know how it's possible to do any of it with her. Like, I don't know how to do any of it safely. In Hawaii, our decision to have her with us for the birth felt so easy and free. Now everything feels sticky and more complicated. I've lost that centered connection I found when my mom and I were together in person. I try to explain it to Enrique. I want to see my mom. I want to hang out with her. And then I'm like, but you guys are making these like really fucking selfish choices. And then like acting like it's not a big deal. And it's like not acknowledged. I don't want to be the one that's like holding this hard line. I'm frustrated. 
I'm hurt, and I don't know how to talk to my mom about it. She feels like a stranger again. Then our childbirth ed teacher warns us that newborns are getting COVID. Um, I will be honest with you that we have had newborns who contracted COVID within hours of being born. It's really serious, um, and we recommend that you don't have visitors who are not vaccinated. And my midwife tells me that unless everyone at my birth is vaccinated, we'll all have to wear masks, including me. This draws the line for me. I don't want to give birth wearing a mask. I don't want to labor surrounded by people wearing masks. I want to feel safe. I'm afraid of the pain of labor, and I'm afraid of feeling trapped and claustrophobic in that pain. A mask would only intensify that. For a million reasons, it sounds terrible. That means my mom can't be there unless she's willing to get vaccinated. I realize we're going to have to go back on the promise we made in Hawaii. But I'm not ready to tell my mom. Instead, I get on the phone with my old friend Catherine and vent. I just wish that my mom would take care of me in this way and make this easier for me. On the other hand, what she wants to do is be in New York to take care of me and to take care of the baby and to stay as long as I want and like, just get the fucking vaccine. You know, cause I think like you need her. I mean, you don't, you don't need her, but like. I want her. This is a. I want all the fucking baggage that comes with it. Yeah. And, and this I, is obnoxious. The baggage is obnoxious. <sighs> My mom's not the only one this affects. We have to start drawing boundaries everywhere. I email my two doulas and find out one of them isn't vaccinated either. So I let her know we can't work with her. I wish I could just email my mom the same thing, that she can't be at the birth if she's not vaccinated. And now I'm starting to wonder if we should let her come even after the birth. Quarantining and testing seems complicated, stressful, and expensive. I gripe to Enrique. It's like, how much can she actually quarantine? You know, like... Or are you just going to, like, keep her prisoner in the apartment, you know? If I feel like your mom being here is, like, a danger to the baby, I don't need her there. And it's it's a conversation that we need to have with her. It's going to suck. I don't know what to do. I don't want to have this conversation. I avoid talking with my mom about anything as my due date creeps closer. When I finally do call her, it's August of 2021. I'm seven months pregnant. Then she surprises me. She asks me if I'm worried about her coming for the birth. Uh, you know, I've never been worried about coming there. Never, never was, I was not even an issue. I was coming no matter what. And then I was worried about what you were going to feel. And then I had to realize, oh, you might have feelings about it. Maybe you're worried about me bringing it to the baby or to you, and then I thought, well, shit, um, then I got bummed because there's all these concerns, and I think they're going to go back to big lockdowns again. I know they are. And then I'm worried, well, what if I can't even go? I think that's... I tell her she's right. I've been worrying, yeah, like when I'm... wondering if there's any way we could make it safe for her to be here. I've been really stressed. I try to describe the chaos inside my head. 
my brain is going tiki tiki okay tiki 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 okay so if she comes here okay so then maybe she could test and she could you know quarantine for three to five days and we'll we'll have these tests but then she comes here and she stays here and but then she's like a prisoner here because even if you get sick and you don't get like really really sick you can't stay here and be sick and so then I, we have to you have to go someplace else and then who's gonna take care of you and then I just let loose. I tell her everything that I've been holding in. I know that you're, you are not afraid of, of getting sick and dying, you know, and... I tell her how scared I am for her safety, but also how scared I am to give birth, recover, and figure out how to be a mom without her here. When I imagine, like, what I want after birth, it's like eating your soup and eating your pie and having you be around and like and then finally i tell her the bottom line i've just been really scared to tell you this part that like i talked with my midwives and they were like okay we need to talk about who's gonna be at your birth and their vaccination status and she's like because our protocol now is that everyone has to be vaccinated in order for it to be safe for you to be at home. Otherwise, everybody has to mask and quarantine. And I was like, I really don't want to wear a mask while I give birth. And like, I don't want the people around me. Oh, he's really kicking. It's okay. It's okay. Grandma and I are just talking through stuff. But, I'm sorry, I just sort of laid that all on you. I'm really glad you told me all that. That's what you need to do is tell me the truth. Of course, I wanted to be with you, but, you know, it's like, right now, it sounds like that's a no. It's obviously a no, because I'm sorry, but I I won't, I'm not going to get the shot. I know. And I don't, I don't want that for you. Sorry that you might feel like, oh, that matters to me. My crazy beliefs matter more than your baby and you. But I, I just, Mm. no. So, um, that's off the table then. Yeah. I'm really sad about that. That makes me really sad. I'm sad too. I'm also relieved. And I'm impressed with my mom. I know how hard it was to hear she couldn't come. I think back over why we started this work, talking to each other about COVID. It was to understand, to respect, and to support each other better even when we disagree fiercely. Maybe these months of painful talking are paying off. We stay close those last two months of my pregnancy. Then on the 2nd of October, my son arrives, a week early. Surrounded by Enrique, my midwife, a doula, my cousin, and a dear friend, I labor for 26 hours some of it in a giant birthing pool in my kitchen. At the very end, 
I squat on a birthing stool and Enrique holds me up from behind. I bring Benicio James into the world at 6.32 a.m. Oh, there we go. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> Oh, Angel, I love you. My mom is with me on a video call from Hawaii. Someone brings her on the iPad from room to room where I'm laboring. She's muted so she can sing and pray and howl with me. And in the end, that feels just right. Better, actually. Because of COVID, we don't have visitors for a month. And that month, caring for ourselves, is harder than I ever imagined. Benny is too sleepy to eat much at first. He doesn't gain weight. Can we see a little mouth? You gotta eat. My job is primal. I have to keep him alive. I worry all day that he's not eating enough. I'm awake late at night saying a prayer I know millions of mothers have said before me. Let him live. My mom gave birth five times and lost two of her children. I am touching that fear. Fear that in the end, I think, drives my mom's beliefs about COVID. If vaccines are something she feels as a threat, the way I worry about my low milk supply, I think I understand her a little bit more. A month after the birth, my mom flies to New York. She tests before she flies. She quarantines in an Airbnb nearby and gets tested here multiple times. She holds Benny for the first time when he's five weeks old. Oh, so sleepy. We have a baby. We have a baby. We have a baby boy. Oh, we have a baby. Oh, we have a baby. Oh, we have a baby boy. <laughs> baby, baby. The night she arrives at our apartment, she makes a huge pot of chicken soup, two loaves of bread, and an apple crisp. She stays for a month and she never stops cooking or baking. She sits with me and loves Benny with the same fierceness as I do. She helps me build my strength and confidence after weeks of panic. And we talk about Benny, of course, his future and ours. And we talk about what it was like to face our differences about COVID and the vaccine together. Late one night while I feed Benny in the other room, my mom records her own reflections about this experience. Man, I really wanted to be at that birth. I felt it was really important that I was there. Actually, when the midwife said I had to be vaccinated, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I was so mad. Oh, I don't know whether to be mad at her, mad at Erica. I thought if I had a negative test and all that stuff, and if I jumped through all those hoops to make them feel comfortable that I could be here, 
So that was hard. I had to let go of that. It took me a little while. I finally let it go. I hadn't realized until I heard this tape later just how hard that had been for her when I'd laid down rules that said she couldn't come to New York for the birth. She didn't get mad. She comforted me. Then she spent hours on video during Benny's birth. She was far away, but she was with me in my New York kitchen, loving us. That hadn't been our plan, but it turned out okay. I watched him be born. I watched Erica go through it. I watched how she dealt with it. I watched everybody support her. And on my end, I'm doing all this, like, sound healing and (laughs) this light therapy that you use on pictures of people to heal. I was trying all these different things to try to help her through. And I was talking, and I was praying, and so they had me on mute. So I really wouldn't have been able to do all that if I'd been here in person. (laughs) This might sound like everything wrapped up in the end into a neat little package. But I'll be honest, it's not that simple. Like my choice to get vaccinated while pregnant still baffles my mom. It's this weird thing to totally be alarmed at someone's choice. Your daughter, (laughs) my daughter, really wish they would make a different choice. Really, 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 really wanted her to not get vaccinated because I, I feel like there's so much concern for her health and safety that would show up way down the road. It's like we're so similar in every way. I mean, like, we like the same things. We have the same humor, politics, health stuff, food. You know, we're, we're like on the same page. It's like weird that we would be on opposite sides of this one. It would almost be like if she converted to another real extreme religion, you know, that I just absolutely couldn't support. That's kind of the only analogy I have. And then at the end, we still felt the same way of as far as our opinions, but in our choices. But I think we felt different about each other, even though I, I don't know how I could have loved her more, but I feel closer to her. I take a turn recording my feelings too. <sighs> the thought of my mom leaving. <laughs> is really hard. My mom is an exceptional nurturer and I really needed nurturing after a long labor, a difficult first six weeks of my baby's life and struggling with postpartum depression and sleep deprivation and wonky breastfeeding. My mom has pulled me back from an edge I didn't quite realize how close I was to. My mom knows me really well, and we had a long conversation last night that, like, the way I'm living right now in this, you know, little apartment doesn't necessarily feed me. You know, I want I want to live differently. <laughs> I want to live someplace where it's not quite so hard all the time. And I want to raise my kid where he can play in the dirt and go out in the trees. And that is definitely following in my mom's footsteps. So 
my mom and I had one of those conversations that everyone would rather avoid. We got through it, and we got closer, and we still don't agree about COVID. Tempers still flare, even a year after Benny is born. We're both still frustrated that we couldn't change the other's mind. Even though that wasn't supposed to be the point, we sure tried. But through this process, what we really learned is that our relationship matters much more. It took months. We kept showing up. We didn't give up on each other. Now we talk more than ever, but we don't talk much about vaccines or the pandemic. I realize that in order to have a relationship with my mom, I can't treat her like a stand-in for all unvaccinated people. She just has to be my mom. As a journalist, I'm going to keep helping people get accurate information, but I'm going to quit battling my mom. I'll keep negotiating, sure, but battling, no. I'm lucky to have her love and nurturing. I am lucky to be her daughter. Benny is lucky to have her as his tutu. That is our story. Thank you for listening. Deepest thanks to my mom, Keeney, for being open and willing to take this journey with me. It wasn't easy, and I love you even more for it. The Wedge is created by me, Erica Anderson, Maya LaPearl, our lead producer, Emily Harris, our editor, and Eve Perlman, our executive producer and founder of Spaceship Media, using journalism to bridge divides. Final mixes and sound design by our hero, Josh Wilcox of Brooklyn Podcasting Studio, with help from Walter Norquist. Thanks to the many other people who made these conversations possible, especially Dr. Julie Caldwell, Dr. Karen Landman, and Jonathan Jerry. Thanks to the city's Missing Them event for providing audio. And finally, huge thanks to Brad Turner, executive producer of Colorado Public Radio's Audio Innovation Studio, for helping us get the wedge out into the world. For more information about Spaceship Media, go to spaceshipmedia.org or follow us on Twitter at spaceship underscore media. It's tough going in a world filled with mistrust. Spaceship Media's work relies on an enduring belief in the best of human nature. So go out carefully, kindly, and with curiosity. And be brave. Thank you for listening.